Hi, I'm Tony Gorgon and welcome to the Presenting, Pitching and Public Speaking podcast. In this episode, I'm going to be discussing with you building rapport and connection with your audience, covering all of the different types of potential audience members you might have. So how do you build rapport with an audience that you've not yet met, you might not have anything in common with, or worse still, you feel like they're judging you? You do that by creating a connection with you and them, looking at the things that you have in common, what makes you similar and how you can help them. So let's break this down. Have you ever been in a room where someone stood at the front and they're delivering and it feels like they're talking specifically to you? There might be hundreds, if not thousands of people in that room, but you feel like they're talking directly to you. I've definitely had that experience and it comes down to a number of different things, not just one. But we'll break that down into sections. So the first section being that eye contact. The intention to make eye contact with everybody within the audience. Now, obviously, this is size dependent. So if you're in a smaller room, it's easier for you to make eye contact with people, with each individual person within the room. But if you're in a huge room, it makes it quite difficult for you to make eye contact with every single individual. And one of the ways that you can do that is looking at sections within the room. So you might look at a group of four, maybe five people looking at one area, one section of your audience if you're in a particularly large room. And by doing so, you'll connect with individual people within that group. So that's the first step is is building rapport through eye contact, which we've touched upon briefly in previous episodes. But not only that, getting to know your audience. Now, this can be done on a group basis or an individual basis. Again, this is obviously audience size dependent. But one of the key things that I've learned from my previous experience delivering presentations for progressive property and unlimited success is irrespective of the size of the audience, learning some of the names of the people there, if you can learn all of them, even better. And this I've always done, not only just in my public speaking, kind of live on stage, but in everyday life, and maybe you do the same too. So when I was a HR manager, In some of the stores that I worked in, I had over 300 employees and I made it my mission to know not only the names of each person, but also a little something about them. That helps to create that rapport and that connection because rapport is a two-way street. Connection is a two-way street and respect is a two-way street. And you can offer out all of those different things when you're delivering your speeches in any format. So when I was a HR manager, as I say, I used to do store walks every morning made it my mission to know something about everybody, made it my mission to be able to speak to people. So I'd do a store walk and as I was walking around, I'd say good morning to people. So it'd be like, hi, Sean, how was your holiday? You went to Ibiza, didn't you? And create that bond, create that connection. It drops down the barriers automatically. No ranking, no one person is better than any other. It's you and I, and this is our connection. The guard breaks down and people will connect with you more effectively. So it'd be like, Sue, thanks for swapping your shift at short notice for us last week. We really appreciate that. Break down those guards, break down those barriers. And you can do the same within your audiences. So we do a particular thing at our deliveries. And one of the things that I do is many of our um, attendees will have a lanyard around the neck, indicating their name. Great way for you to break the ice and build rapport when you're introducing yourself to the stage when you're introducing yourself as people walk into the room, is to shake hands and to say, hello, hi, Dave, nice to meet you, thanks for coming along. Sheila, thanks so much for attending our event. So that connection is built automatically. We've had it where people have said in the past, you know, how do you know my name? And they've got a lanyard around the neck telling you. But it just kind of breaks down that barrier. 
Not only that, but when you're delivering on a smaller environment in a smaller room, maybe you've got six or seven different people, maybe it's a presentation for work, maybe you know people's names already. So a presentation where you know people's names, using that name regularly throughout. It's a great question, Dave. Thanks for asking that question. I'm sure other people in the room can relate to it. It builds that bond between the two of you. Because remember, we've mentioned in terms of speaking and training that when you're delivering, people need to buy into you. Even if you're not selling products or services, people need to buy into you as the speaker. And the way that they buy into you is when they can see a connection between the two of you, when they can identify that you and I are alike. We're similar people in similar scenarios. That's why, as we touched upon in previous episodes, why creating a a story connection between you and the audience members works really, really well. So there's another couple of reasons why I made sure that I connected with the people that I worked with. So I found that respect is mutual, it's a two-way street, and that if I was polite and courteous and made sure I knew something about each of my, my staff members, my employees that they'd work better for me, not just another number in the workforce, not just another person. And I continued that trait all the way through into my training, making sure that I connect with people. Because if you look at it in your workplace environment, or if you look at that delivery from a stage environment, the same rule applies. You want people to buy into you. You want people to buy into what it is you're talking about, whether that's a presentation that you're delivering in work, whether it's that you're delivering on a a speaker stage, a multi-speaker stage, whether you're doing the networking circuit, you want people to buy into you. Not only that, but also in webinars, and just like now on podcasts, if it's a two-way training, so within webinars that I run, my mentees in each of the training days that I run, I make sure that I link everything back to those and the individuals. And you can do this with your speeches and your presentations, your pitches, your delivery, both in physical and written format. And when you make the effort to show that you care about people, you gain their trust and respect and in turn, you get better results. So there is a well-known phrase, um, I don't even know who said it, but I should find out. I'm going to attribute it to my mentor, Rob Moore, because he's the one who taught it to me, which is that people don't care unless they know that you care. Let me repeat that. People don't care unless they know that you care. And you can show that you care about your audience members, about your delegates within your trainings, about your employees or your peers within your job in many different ways. And one of the best ways that you can do that is to adapt to all of the different learning styles, all of the different styles of people within that room. And one of the methods that we use for this is something called VACAD. So if you're writing notes or if you're you're taking kind of jotting down some ideas from this, VACAD is V-A-K and then A-D together. And the V stands for visual. The A stands for auditory. The K stands for kinesthetic. And the A-D stands for auditory digital. And each of these is a predominant style in individual people. So most people will have a predominant style and then something that's kind of not so much at the forefront and maybe in the background. So me personally... I'm a really visual person. I like to be able to, when people are delivering a training session, to to see the slides. I tend to use a language that relates to this too. And I'll say things like, do you see what I mean? So it's all a visual aspect. The visual is a focus point for me. However, not everyone in the audience will be that same style. So I know that when I'm delivering my trainings, I need to ensure that I adapt to cover all of the people within the room. Maybe you're the type of person who is the V, which is the visual. Now, a visual person likes for you to paint a picture. 
maybe to identify what something will look like. So if you're describing a particular scenario, they'll want to understand what it looks like to see the visual, to see. So you might paint a picture in terms of, so if I were to say to you, I was sat in a room doing my work, then it's not really painting a picture. It's not really creating a connection or a bond. However, if I'm to say to you, I'm currently sat in my dining room delivering my podcast recording. In the room, I could see a bright yellow candle and the smell from that candle is beautiful. The grey chairs that I'm sat on are so comfortable. So I'm painting the picture, the grey chairs, the yellow candle inside the dining room. So you can create an image inside of your head. That's what you want your audience members who are visual to be able to do. However, the A then stands for the auditory learner and an auditory learner understands best when things are depicted audibly. So using variances in your tonality, your pace and your volume of your speech is one way to do this, definitely. So if you're telling a really deep and meaningful story, you might lower your tone. You might create a better bond and a connection through the way that you speak. But if you're really telling them something exciting, you might get all animated, you might get excited, you might speak a little bit faster, your tone and your pace might increase. Not only that, but you pay particular attention to the language that you use. So if I'm to describe a scenario to you and I say, he sat at his desk, it doesn't really depict a huge amount of information. But if I'm to say he sat at his huge mahogany desk with a table lamp perched at the edge glaring directly at me with a serious look on his face, The room was eerily silent, save for the impatient tap, tap, tap of his foot on the floor. That repetition of the word, that descriptive language will help an auditory learner to understand. Maybe they're not the most visual of people. Maybe they don't care that the desk was mahogany. Maybe they don't care that there was a lamp perched on the edge of it, but a visual person will. And if you notice, I've covered both bases there for the visual and the auditory by using the terminology of the the language, by using the tap, 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 depicting the sound, it was eerily silent, but also the visual by describing the way the desk looks, the peering look on the, the gentleman's face. So a common trait amongst auditory learners is questioning as well. So it's really important to have a Q&A section, whether you do it at the start, at the end, or whether you hang around after your delivery to be enable people to cover the bases that they need to to for people to understand at their learning level. So if you're an auditory learner, that's the type of person you are. And instead of the phrases like, do you see me, that I'll use as a visual learner, or that maybe you'll use as a visual learner, you might use phrases such as, do you hear me? Hopefully this is making sense to you. And that's the V and the A. And then we have the K. The K is a kinesthetic learner. And a kinesthetic learner or a kinesthetic person is someone who feels a situation. They might not care what it looks like. They don't care about the visuals potentially. They maybe don't care really particularly what sounds you could hear, but they learn best through movement and feeling. So they wouldn't necessarily benefit from a presentation that involves a presenter just talking at them because they want to be involved. They want a more hands-on approach. They want to feel how they should be feeling. And you can depict that through your language. So you as a deliverer as a speaker as a trainer as a presenter when you're pitching even if you're not the type of person who's kinesthetic you can still cover the base with kinesthetic people by the language that you use so you might say it felt amazing it felt so scary the way that it felt you might even go into more detail it was so scary you know that anxious nervous feeling in the pit of your stomach 
So if you really go descriptive using the, the way that you felt, you can really touch base with the kinesthetic learner. Not only that, but proximity makes a difference for someone who's kinesthetic. So maybe if they're sat nearer the back of the room, so you've got 50 people in a room and you stand up and you deliver just from the stage, you might be able to touch base with all of the auditory learners by the language that you use and the volume and the pace and the tone that you use. You might be able to connect really well with the visual learners because you can use really descriptive, really picture heavy or different fonts in your presentations on on your PowerPoint or on your keynote or maybe doing drawings on the flip chart. You can really suit and adapt your style to a visual learner. But someone who is kinesthetic might want to feel a little bit more. So you'll use your terminology, you'll use your descriptions, but not only that, you might actually amend your proximity to those people. So what do I mean by that? I mean, if you're delivering in a cabaret style, you've maybe got five or six people sat around each table. Don't just stand on the stage and deliver, particularly if it's a long duration of a delivery. Maybe you're delivering an hour plus. Maybe you're delivering an entire day, maybe an entire week's course in the job that you do, in your own personal deliveries, in your content section for a networking event. Close the proximity, increase the close proximity that you have to some of those delegates so what you can then do is you can step down from your stage or your platform or your delivery space you can maybe walk around the room often you'll find that people will connect better when you lean forward and talk to one specific table the rest of the audience still feeling engaged because you're using visual and and auditory language but still feel engaged so not spending time just with that table or just with that delegate that audience member that person but actually connecting with everybody Maybe you'll touch the person's shoulder as you walk past them to make a point of what it is you're saying. That will make them feel a particular way if they're a kinesthetic learner. And that combines with a language that you use to depict a situation, to depict a scenario, or in your questioning. How does that make you feel? Do you see what I'm doing here? See, visual language coming out again. Do you see what I'm doing here is that I am depicting... I could depict the same scenario in a multitude of different ways, but cover the learning styles of so many different people. And that is the VAK. The AD is your auditory digital learners. In all honesty, these are the polar opposite to me. It's people who are a little bit more technically minded, a little bit more detailed. I'm not the most detailed of people. Maybe you've uh, guessed that when you've been along to some of my trainings. But if you're an auditory digital person, personality learner, is more logic, instruction and detail based. So they might need more of that within the delivery or the speech that you're providing. This type of learner is less likely to need to know how you felt like a kinesthetic person might be, but maybe they're more concerned with like the detail, the minutia. They might want to know the date, the specific time, the temperature of the room outside, whatever. They need something a little bit more detailed. So I could use the same example but turn it around instead of telling you all of the detail around the huge mahogany desk. I could talk about the clock. I watched the clock strike 12.01pm as he glared directly at me. So they might want to know a little bit more detail. Instead of saying it was a Tuesday morning, you might say it was a Tuesday morning on the 3rd of September 2019. You might tell them the time or the date. You might, when you're delivering your presentations, go into more detail in terms of the numbers or the specifics. So, for example, if I'm delivering a training and I deliver a lot of trainings around property, 
what I'll need to do is cover all of the bases with each of the people within the room. The V for the visual, the A for the auditory, the K for the kinesthetic, the AD for the auditory digital. Now, I need to make more of a specific effort, more of a concerted effort to cover the bases of the people who don't fall into the same categories as me. Because I'm sure you would agree we all have our own default style. My default style is I rant a little bit, I get a little bit over-enthusiastic sometimes, and I talk in visual terms. So I've learnt through practice and repetition, which I'm sure you would agree is the best way for people to learn, particularly where public speaking is concerned. And I've learned to adapt my training style and delivery style to accommodate the people who I may have previously left out. And you will obviously do the same. Maybe your natural style is that you personally are auditory digital. Maybe you like to put the detail up on the board. So for example, if I'm using the the property scenario, I might just put minimal detail up there an auditory digital learner will want to know all of the detail. So they'll want to know the purchase price, the refurb costs, what percentage interest rate my loan is at. So all of the specifics in a lot more detail than someone who's visual who might want to see a before and after picture. Now, if you personally, as the speaker, as the deliverer, or a more auditory digital person, you will need to make a concerted effort to cover all of the bases. So you might go really deep on the detail and the content. Now, you don't want to overfill their heads with too much detail, but in the same way, you want to cover your base for all the auditory digital learners, but also you want to cover the base for the more visual people, so you'll have to adapt your language to suit. So let me give you the same example for each of those different type of learners. So I gave you the example just before in regards to a gent sat across a desk. So if someone is visual in your audience, you will cover the base of the digital of the visual people by saying he sat at his huge mahogany desk with a table lamp perched at the edge, glaring directly at me with a serious look on his face. But then if I want to add in an auditory learner, I might change the word in ever so slightly, but add in more detail. He sat at his huge mahogany desk with the table lamp perched at the edge, glaring directly at me with that serious look on his face. The room was eerily silent, save for the impatient tap, tap, tap of his foot on the floor. Now to take that one step further and to cover for a kinesthetic learner, you will add in more feely, touchy, emotive language too, to describe exactly the same scenario. So again, you might say, he sat at his huge mahogany desk with the table lamp just perched at the edge, glaring directly at me with this serious look on his face. The room was eerily silent, except for the impatient tap, tap, tap of his foot on the floor. It made me feel so nervous, so anxious. You know, when you get that feeling in the pit of your stomach, when you know something's wrong, but you don't yet know what it is. So you've covered a visual learner, an auditory learner, a kinesthetic learner, And finally, last but not least, as I say, something I have to make a concerted effort to to include is an auditory digital learner within that speech. So how would you do that? You use the same terminology, the same language, the same scenario, but you change your tone, your pitch and your detail to suit. So if I'm trying to cover an auditory digital learner, I might say I watched the clock strike 12.01 as he glared directly with that serious look on his face. So what if I want to include all of those people. What if you're trying to include all of those people to explain one scenario? Let me give you the example of covering all of the bases. Let's see if you can pick it out and identify who we're covering with each one. He sat at his huge mahogany desk with the table lamp just perched right at the edge of it. It was at a perfect right angle. 
and I watched the clock strike 12.01pm as he glared directly at me with that serious look on his face. The room was eerily silent, save for that rhythmic, impatient tap of his foot on the floor. Tap, 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 tap. I felt so nervous, so anxious, that feeling in the pit of my stomach and that lump rise in my throat, waiting to find out what happened next. That final example shows you how you can incorporate all of the different learning styles into your speech. And not only that, but create a more engaging presentation for each of your different learners. Now, you can do this in any different scenario. You can do this really, really well when you're delivering live. That's one of the best ways to deliver it either live or in a video recording. So for example, say you're planning to do your public speeches via pre-recorded videos. Maybe you're not quite there yet in delivering live on stage or live in front of your peers, but you're going to do a video. Always bear in mind the different types of people who will want to connect. So you're automatically connecting with a visual person with a video. You know, it's been statistically proven. I looked at some statistics in 2017 that said there was a third higher open rate of a post on social media if there was a video included because you've got a lot of visual learners so if there's a third higher open rate you're already covering those visual learners maybe if you need to cover with the auditory digital ones you can change your tone in that video you can do the rise and fall of your tone you can alter your pitch you can alter the speed at which you speak that will all suit an auditory learner along with the language that you use so do you hear what I'm saying using those speeches to check in. And then if you've got a kinesthetic learner, in your video, you can explain how you feel, especially if you're feeling nervous. I've always mentioned through previous episodes, openness and honesty is absolutely imperative. So if you're just getting yourself out there, you're just building up your public speaking skills and you're just promoting yourself now and you feel really nervous doing videos, that will connect with your kinesthetic learners if you tell them that. I'm feeling really nervous, really anxious. This is the first video that I've done. It's the first Facebook Live I've done. This is first delivery that I've done. This is the way that I'm feeling. Convey your feelings. It will connect with other people's feelings. And that movement creates the emotion also. And then if you've got your auditory digital learners, last but not least, putting some detail up. So maybe you'll put some examples at the end of your video or throughout. You might use some visual aids that give you a more detail. So again, if I go back to the example of property, because it's what I know best other than public speaking, I might give some examples when I'm delivering a presentation or video, for example, and put up some house price statistics or an example of a property that we've purchased and refurbed. refurbed. Cover the visual with photos before and afters. Cover the auditory by the language and the tone that you use, getting excited talking about the way that it now looks and the end value figures. Kinesthetic, cover those by telling them how it makes you feel and it makes you feel really excited, really proud that you've completed this refurbishment and the auditory digital people, last but not least, will be covered when you identify to them the detail, the minutiae within that delivery. So in this section, we've talked about connection, which I've I've mentioned previously in other episodes, but this is taking it to the next level to connect with the different types of listeners that you'll have within your audience, whether that's a live delivery or whether that's a pre-recorded video or delivery. By adding in your VACAD status, by amending the way that you deliver both your movement and your tone to suit those different learner types, you will get more people to buy not only into you as a person, as a speaker and a trainer, but also into the message that you're trying to deliver. 
So I've been Tony Gargan. This has been the Presenting, Pitching and Public Speaking podcast. Thank you for listening. Tune in next time for our next podcast. Podcast.